0: Well, I just want to briefly say, and, but sincerely say, how happy we are to be here. And uh, we might want to leave those lights. Those are, yeah, that's good. Got to be, uh, my notes are written in the Bible that I'm going to minister in the next few moments. Something that God gave me that, in my opinion, is one of the top three messages that He's ever given me before. So we're going to go in that direction in just a minute. But, Pastor, it's so good to be here. It's a beautiful, uh, don't y'all agree, it's a beautiful facility here they've got. Let's give the Lord a praise for what He's done. Amen. And your wife and family, it's, we're, we're very blessed. We do go back a long way, and I appreciate the, the, the fellowship and friendship we've had over the years. Robbie's coming over here for two minutes, and I'm preaching in exactly two minutes, so you can time me on this. If you did not get the Old Testament commentary, this weighs five pounds. And this is on the Manifest Telecast. It's 500,000-word commentary, and it is... It took me seven years to write it and three years to lay it out and print it. And I want to tell you something. I have never done anything in my life, uh, and I honor the Lord so much in this, that I'm getting more comments on from people that is absolutely just blowing my mind. People are staying in the book of Genesis for two months because that's, wow. the commentary is that deep. Wow. But it's easy to understand. So get that. You, you see Robbie afterwards. The inter, oh, we, oh, you got these? Okay. This is the international camp meeting that we just finished with Ron Carpenter, Tommy Bates, wow. Wow. John Kilpatrick, and myself. And I, I did something a little different. I did three major prophetic messages. And one of those is the year 5780, the Jewish year, and what it means by the symbolism. And it's mind-boggling. Mm. And we've done this for eight years, and it's never missed yet. So you can guarantee whatever I told you on this, it'll happen wow. because it's never missed. And I don't want to go into all the details of it. This is brand new. You've not you Only one other group has seen this. This will come out on manifest in December, but you can get it tonight. And it's it's the it's the book that the Lord gave me, based on a story that a preacher told me, and uh, I, it's called "Fishing in the Sea of Forgiveness: The wow. Danger of Bringing Up Other People's Sins." Wow. And I talk about uh, a tormenting spirit, why most Christians do not get healed. And I'm going to have to say this is because there's, there's a hindrance in their spirit. Yeah. And I will go to deep word studies. And I, honestly, I've, I've, I've never had God give me anything like this in my life. It's almost scary to talk about when you say that because I've been preaching for uh, 44 years. Please, if you don't get anything tonight, the biggest trap that, set, that entangles 9 out of 10 Christians, a great preacher... Fell one time because he attacked another preacher on TV, and two years later he fell in the same sin. And he told people, I prayed and prayed and couldn't get the victory. No, you're not going to get the victory till you forgive the other brother. Okay? That's Bible. Anyway, anyway, no, I'm I'm not going to say much more than that. All right, everybody ready? Woo, I can't wait. Come on, clap your hands and praise the Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. This I'm so glad. I just want to say, Pastor, I'm so glad that this worked out because my wife and I do one big or two big date weekends a, a, a year in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I have a Tennessee, I, I have a Tennessee tag on my car, and like I got run over the road when I got to Alabama. I said, What is wrong with these people? They never do this, you know. And I realized. Yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, I realized that. So I'm like, you know, we're gonna we stay at the hotel where the team stays tonight and all that, and it's a it's a blast. And we know some of the players and get to go to the chapel, so it's a lot of fun. But I'm a, I'm gonna have to put that Tennessee tag and hide it. You understand what I'm saying? This is not the day to be from Tennessee down here. And, when, and I guess Auburn plays them too. It won't, it won't be the day to be from Tennessee when they play Auburn either. So we love we love uh, the college football season down here. And I had to I had to kind of convert over because if I was gonna stay happily married to a girl from Tuscaloosa, Calusa. Come on, help me, fellas. Help me, fellas. There's a few of you that understand what I'm talking about, okay? So uh, thank you so much. And also, uh, if, if you if you have your phones out to record this, please put those away. I don't want anything to be recorded on phones. I've had horrible times. I had to get lawyers after a bunch of people of some things they were doing with the phones. And so thank you so much for that. Okay, are you ready for the word? Say yes, 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 yes. John 21, John 21, John 21. Go over there, John 21. The Spirit of the Lord gave me this message, and it's one of, in my opinions, the most significant because I'm going to minister on when God disrupts your plans.
1: my God, my
0: God. And this is where it's very important because a lot of you that keep up with our ministry, you know that we love doing Hebrew and Greek word studies. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar by any means. I'm much more familiar with Hebrew than Greek, but I know how to do word studies effectively. And this is where you've got to go back and do a word study because it will not make sense to you. It will mean one thing to you in English, but it's a whole different thing in the Greek. So I want you to go to John 21. I want you to notice the setting of what is happening. Jesus has appeared to his disciples. This will be the third time third time. And the first time, of course, was the road to Emmaus to two men. One of those was believed to be Luke, by the way. The second time was in Jerusalem with the doors and the windows closed where he walked through the door. Now, this is this will be the third time. Now, I want you to notice what is happening. And let's read this together. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Now, the Sea of Tiberias is the Sea of Galilee. It's also called Lake Gennesaret. It has four different names in the New Testament, but it's the same place Lake Tiberius here or Sea of Tiberias and on the wise he showed uh, showed he himself now there were together notice the number here Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus which That is a word for a twin. It means he had a twin brother. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee. Cana is the upper Galilee. Sea of Galilee is in the lower part. So he's from the upper area of the Galilee. And the sons of Zebedee. This would be James and John. You can find that out in Luke chapter 5. And it also says, and two other disciples. Now, I want you to look at the count of how many there are because this is very significant. Judas has committed suicide. That leaves 11 disciples. They have not appointed the new one to replace him, which happens in Acts 1 after Jesus ascends. So now there are seven of the 11 disciples. Now, if my math is right, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, four four are not there. And you can go through the list and read who they were and find out which ones are not there. But here's the part that really gets very curious when you study this in the Greek. Now, notice what happens. Then Peter said to them, I go a-fishing. Now, he had to be from the south because only southern people would say it that way. Northern people would say, I'm going to go fishing. But southern people say, I'm going to go fishing, man. I'm going to go fishing. You going with me? So this, this was a southern statement here. I go fishing. They said to him, we go with thee also. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Now, I want to stop and tell you that when you read this, you have to understand that Simon Peter, before he left everything, was a fisherman that owned a ship. You also need to understand the two sons of Zebedee in this story also owned a ship. You'll find that in Luke 5. And you will find in Luke 5, it's over there in about verse 10, that James and John were partners with Peter. They literally had a business they're out of Bethsaida. They were from Bethsaida. They weren't for Capernaum. You know, when you go on the Israel tour, they'll show you St. Peter's house. It may have been. But he, he was from Bethsaida, which was a, a fishing village. They just found it, by the way. We were there. That goes all the way up to the water went used to go up to the edge of it. it's pretty cool so seven out of the 12 disciples are from that city so they knew each other now watch this you ready for the revelation i go a fishing seems to say which i've always believed this for 44 years that Simon was saying, I want to go on a fishing trip because I'm hungry. So he goes and bars his boat, goes on a fishing trip. Now, how many of you, if you read that, you think that's what they're doing? Okay, come on, help me, somebody. They're called into the ministry. They're going to be faithful to God. Hallelujah. But let me tell you what's really going on here. This word, I go a fishing, is, is the Greek word, hopago, Hupago. And you're going to tell you, medita- you medita- what that Greek word uh, uh, actually means? You ready? Here we go. I'm going I'm to I'm give it to you exactly as Kenneth Weiss says. To sink out of sight.
1: What?
0: Yeah. The Greek word here, I go, I go, not fishing, I go of fishing, I go, is to sink out of sight, and here's what it means. This is the other uh, part of this. I'm going to have to put my glasses down here to get this. One who departs from being the companion of another. Now, in the Greek tense, and I know enough about it just to be dangerous, there's passive, there's present, there's future, there's all sorts of tenses. And a Greek scholar said, this tense is not, I'm going on a one-time fishing trip. This tense is, ready, I am quitting the ministry and going back to the fishing business. I'm going to explain why he's doing this in a minute. And here's the scary part. The scary part is the other six men said, we go too. So I decided to check out this little, we go too, we're going with you too, you know what I'm saying? And the Greek tense is continuous. Now that doesn't mean anything to you, do you understand? When they say, we go too, they're saying, we're going to join your partnership. So the the, 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 the fact that it's continuous in Greek And not past or future. It's continuous. It's like the Bible says, be ye filled with the Spirit. In Greek, it's continually be filled. It's not a one-time thing. So here's what they're saying. If you're going to go leave the ministry and you're going to go back to fishing, we're familiar with that. So we're going to hook up with you. Let's just go back to our fishing business. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Why would these men who are from that town and from that area who had two ships in Luke 5 Go back to the fishing business. And I'm going to explain to you how this works. Ready? They had heard Jesus say, I am going back to the Father, and you shall see me no more. He had already told them, I'm only here for a brief time. Now, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'll give you another comforter. But I'm about to go back to the Father. And he said, and you shall see me no more. Where I am one day, I'll go bring you up there, John 14. Peter is putting all of this together in the back of his head. Jesus has been resurrected. They have seen the nail prints in his hands and feet. But he's not going to stay around. Do you remember in Acts 1, what did they say to him in Acts 1 after all of these stories are ended in this book? And 40 days have ended. They said, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still holding hope. Oh, don't you miss this. That he's going to stay there, set up a kingdom, conquer the Roman Empire, accept a kingship from the people, and they're going to rule with him. How do I know that? Because mama to James and John, came to Jesus and said, Can my boys sit on your right hand when, they come, when you come into your kingdom? <laughs> Apparently James and John weren't getting that far, but Jesus trying to figure out what they're going to be in the future. So mama had to show up. How many of you know mama shows up and gets more done than the husband does? Hey, I'm preaching now. So here's the point. Jesus is going to go away. They've given him three and a half years of their life. They have left a business to follow him. And now he isn't going to be around, so I think I know how Peter thinks. He's very abrupt. He's very quick. I mean, who takes a sword and cuts a guy's ear off with six hundred Roman soldiers in front of you? For goodness' sake, nobody in their right mind's going to do that. Yeah, very oh, impulsive. He is the poster child for a impulsive, impulsive Okay, so now he's saying, you know what? If he's not going to be around. And he's not going to be there to back us up. And he's not going to be there to do all the miracles. I'm going back to the fishing business. Wow, now here's, wow. where, here's where God has to get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. This man knows how to fish. They have been raised around the lake. They know, as I'll show you in a moment, you have to fish at night. Wow. That's why it says they've toiled all night. They, they fished all night. Because I've been to the Sea of Galilee 38 years of my life. And I can tell you that they only fish at night. Every fishing boat, tourist fishing boat, restaurant fishing boat goes out after the sun sets wow. and throws nets. They have nets on these boats and they throw them out. That forms a huge circle. They sink a little bit. Man, they yank it. They did it one night for us to show us how it worked. And the fish get caught at night because they can't see the net. Wow. You ready? Yes, sir. So in the daytime when the sun is shining, there's enough reflection there that that fish can see anything coming down. So what they do is at night they surface because mm-hmm. it's cooler. And when that sun comes up, it can get real hot there because it's below sea level. And those fish go down lower. So you can't, you, you don't have a net. It's 2,000 feet deep. You don't have a string on a net or a rope on a net long enough to take that thing down that far. And you try dragging that up 2,000 feet from the bottom of the ocean. And then you're going to get all the junk and the pieces of the ship and the trees and all that mess that's at the bottom. Come on, how many of you guys bass fish around here? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, you can throw it in there, but there might be a dead tree in there somewhere. So it's the same principle here. And then their nets get cut. That's why they're mending their nets. It's made of linen. And so on one occasion, they're mending their nets. So watch, this is where God has to step in. And God says this, Well, if I make him successful fishing all night, and he comes in with a boatload of fish, he's going to be tempted to go back into the fishing business and going to get up and the sun comes up and kind of do one of these things. Told you, boys, I still had it, didn't I?
1: Oh, come on.
0: Come on. Told you I still had it. Now look how much money. We can go sell most of these fish and make some money. Then the other boys, disciples, not boys, men, are, they're going to be tempted to follow suit because they have boats. They, had a fit. they were partners in this thing. So listen to what I'm about to say in my first point. God lets his idea of a business fail because that is not what God called him to do.
1: My God, come on.
0: The call of God on this man and the call of God for what he would do is so significant and he does not know he's going to preach on the day of Pentecost. Mm. He does not know he's going to write First and Second Peter. He doesn't know that God's going to let him be the apostle to the circumcised Gentile branch of the church. He has no idea that he'll meet a man by the name of Cornelius. Who needs a word from God that gets the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And becomes the first Gentile to be grafted into the covenant of the baptism and salvation. He doesn't know Any of this, but God does. So God makes the fish run away. He can't even put a minnow in that net. He can't even get a dead fish to float to the surface in that net. So they go all night and they catch absolutely nothing. Now we come to, mm, mm, Jesus, 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 Jesus. All right. His plan is to disappear. His plan is to quit. His plan is to go back into business. It's in the Greek text and it's in the words. Now watch this. When morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, have you any meat? What he's asking is, is basically, do you have anything to eat? They said no. So he says to them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship and you will find. They cast their fort now and were unable to draw it in for a multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John who wrote this, said unto Peter, It's the Lord.
1: Hey, 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 hey,
0: hey. First question. They've already seen him resurrected. Yes, sir. They already know what he looks like. They already know what his voice sounds like. So why is it when he asked them the question in verse 5, do they not say, Hey, Jesus, that's him talking to us right here. That's the Lord talking. They don't even know it's him talking. The key is verse 8. They were 200 cubits away in their boats. Now let me explain to you how far 200 cubits is. Ready? It's a football field. And. I'm not trying to or brag, or name drop here, but we're good friends with Tua and his family. Yep. And the other day, Nala took us a couple weeks ago into the tunnel and back in the... And we got to go on the field, on the Alabama football field. And I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, I got to look at how 20 yards... I, I used to play football, played quarterback. I had 20, 30 yards. I said, I can throw that ball. I can, I can do this, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just goofing off. But anyway, we're down there, and I, there was a family on the other side of the field. Now I wear glasses. My vision's not totally perfect, but I'm not. You know I can see. At the end of the field, I knew this story, and I know that the distance is from the goal line here to the goal line of Mississippi down there. I know that's the distance, and I'm looking that far to say, can I recognize? And the the point is, you really can't. And if someone yells because of the air and the way the voice carries, it will sound a little bit different at a 300 feet than it would five feet from you. So I'm going to look at this in the natural. That the reason they did not know it was Jesus was because of the distance uh, of the boat to the shore. All right. But then here's the next question. How did they know it was Jesus? (laughs) Let's go to Luke 5. We're going to come back here in a minute. Go with me to Luke chapter 5. We're going to show you how they knew it was Jesus. Now, the first time that Simon Peter ever met Jesus, can anybody tell me where it was? Not a loaded question, not a loaded question. The first time he would have encountered Jesus is in chapter four of Luke. And it's when his mother in law said, so Is it in your Bible? Peter's mother in law has a very serious fever. Now, she actually, and again, this comes into word studies, she's delirious with the fever. In other words, this thing has gone into what we call the 104, 105 degree level of danger. So someone has said, there's a fisherman here that his wife, his mother-in-law is sick. So Jesus goes in, track with me on this, and simply lays hands and rebukes the fever, and the mother-in-law instantly gets healed jumps uphill, and it doesn't impress Peter. Wow. <laughs>
1: Come on.
0: Come on. He doesn't say, wow, Jesus, you are really amazing, and, and maybe you're the Messiah, and you need to pray for me. He says, no, no response from Peter. Wow. He might not have liked his mother-in-law. Now, if he didn't like his mother-in-law, he was upset at Jesus. <laughs> For healing that crazy mother-in-law that he wanted dead. Come on, I'm preaching to some of you men whether you want to hear it or not. Hello. I'm not saying he did, but look, so it doesn't impress him. Now watch what happens. We're going we're gonna to come from mom-in-law getting healed to chapter 5. And it came to pass as the people, and I'm in verse 1, I'm in the King James translation, by the way. Pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now that's the same lake, as Sea of Tiber, same location, same place. There were two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them washing their nets, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. Now, we know that's Peter, right? Yes. And prayed him, and that word prayed him didn't mean, doesn't mean he prayed to him. It means he asked him a request. A prayer is a what? Petition? Yes. A request. Yes. So they use the word prayed there to say he's making a request. Yes. Okay, not to God, but to Peter. That he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and talked the people out of the ship. Now, that didn't make sense to me for years. Then one day, I'm, I'm standing on my balcony early in the morning before the sun come up, and I can hear voices coming from the water. And there are little tiny dots of light in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. I'm talking three miles out, and I can hear every word those fishermen are saying. Wow. So I had to talk to a guy from Africa, from Lake Victoria, who says, oh, when we have missionaries that don't have a PA system up, and we want to do a crowd, we'll take a boat, Right? And take a boat out a certain distance and tell them to speak to the water and preach. And everybody on shore can hear Him. And that is a fact. So Jesus knows that in order for everybody to hear Him the way that He gets heard is to take a boat, go out a certain distance, and speak. And Look, I'm telling you, it is the weirdest thing you'll ever hear is to hear those fishermen carry on a normal conversation and you can hear everything they're saying. I'm on a balcony, 12 stories up, guys, and I can hear them carry on conversation. Now, now if the wind's blowing heavy, you can't. But with no wind, everything totally calm. I mean, you can really hear their conversations. So, okay, so Jesus is preaching from Simon's boat. Now, watch what happens. Now, track with me here, because here we go. When he left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep. All right, now, this is a little odd, because... In John, he says, go to the right side of the boat. This time he says we're going to do it different. Go out a little deep, and he said this, let down your nets for a drop. Now, this is where Simon is saying to himself, Now wait a minute. I've been doing this a long time. You ever had those church members that do that, Pastor? You know, they say, Now, brother, I'll tell you, I've been here a long time. And here's how we've done it around here. Well, guess what? What you've done around here for a long time isn't working. It's time. Someone said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I know some stuff not broke that does need to be fixed anyway. Yeah. 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 So, Simon, I can see Simon kind of say, okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, let me explain what happened, Jesus. Now, watch this because this is interesting. Let down your nets. Does anybody know enough about English grammar to know that an S at the end of a word makes it plural most of the time?
1: Yes, sir. Come on. Nets is more than one. Yes, sir.
0: Watch what Peter said. He said to him, Master. Now, I want you to notice what he calls Jesus here. He calls him Master. Master was like saying, Sir, it was not an intimate term. Is actually is what a servant would call someone over him. So what he does here is he recognizes, I've just heard you preach and you're a man of authority. So instead of calling him, hey, Jesus, hey, Mr. from Nazareth, he calls him a respectful term, but not an intimate term to recognize what he is, master. This is good teaching. I like this. We have toiled. In Greek, it means Struggled fiercely. It means we have sweated in the night. We've done everything we know all night and have taken nothing. But watch the nevertheless? Somebody say, thank God, for the nevertheless. thank God for the nevertheless. At thy word. Now, this is an interesting word because most of you know there's a couple of Greek words for the word, word of God, or the word, word. It's rhema here. Rhema. Now, if you know anything about what a rhema is, I'll just give you a W.E. Vine's uh dictionary greek dictionary on what a rhema is it's not the whole bible as such it's not the whole scripture but it is a specific scripture for a specific situation for a specific time that is quickened to your heart when you read it or hear it
1: Come
0: on, that's a rhema so in other words a rhema word is something that when the man or woman is teaching or preaching Comes alive in your heart. It's what, can I say it this way? It's what excites you when you hear the preaching. It's where you say, oh my Lord, did you know that was in the Bible? I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Man, I'm just messed up right now. You mean God can do that? Nobody taught me God can do that. I went to a dead church where they have to skate down the aisles on Sunday morning. It's so cold in the place. I didn't know that they had that. God can do that. And all your eyes are open, your ears are open, your heart is open, your spirit is open, and it, it, a rhema is what moves you. Watch this. A rhema moves you to action. Okay? Different than just reading a verse that blesses you, the rhema moves you. So here's what he's saying I'm a fisherman and I know the lake. But because you told me to do that, I just felt something. You with me? I'm going to paraphrase this as to help you understand. I just felt what you say get in my spirit. So because I got quickened by what you said, we'll do it. Now watch this. Hey, hey, hey. When it was done, they enclosed. Now this is a certain kind of net called a scene net, S-C-I-N-E. And this is the big net that's real huge and round. So they drop the weight. The weights go down. They yank it. And they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net break. Well, dummy, you needed nets.
1: Come on. What
0: Jesus knew you were going to have a net breaking experience. So you better get some backups out there to get some fish. Watch this. They beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships. Now, by the way, the partners are the sons of Zebedee, John, uh, Luke 5, 10, James and John. John that wrote the book of Revelation, guys. John that was probably 16, 17 years old when this took place, youngest of the the apostles. But watch what Peter says. Now mm, they, they, called, they, called, they called the ship and the boats began to sink. Anybody ever want a boat breaking blessing? No, 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 understand Understand this. This does not happen out there. This does not even happen today out there. They'll get a good... If you're, you're lucky, they'll tell you in the night because we eat at the restaurants. They're lucky at night to get a good net full of fish, a solid net. They have so many fish, the fish are jumping in the boat trying to get in the boat. Do you understand what I'm
1: saying? Come on.
0: Now, watch the reaction of this man who is not impressed... Apparently, with his mother-in-law getting healed. Ready? When Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees crying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him for all the fish they took. Now, you missed something. He previously respectfully called him master. But when he saw the miracle, he called him Lord. Because he knew this man has something that's connected to the divine. Now, how would you, why why would Peter think that? Because watch, anybody can pray for a fever. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm talking like some Christians would talk. You better track yeah, with me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know, fever's not a big thing. I mean, hallelujah. I mean, you know, don't take a lot of faith to heal a fever. Hallelujah. You know, I've had fevers before. I've just laid my hands, hands on myself and fell out, and God healed me. So. <laughs> the fever, now, if you got a fever and get healed, it's, it's significant for you, right? But a fever is a lesser miracle. But when you have, in the day... Two boats full of fish, and the boats are sinking. Yeah. Listen, you got to understand. you got to go there. you got to talk to these guys. I want to take a fishing trip one morning, and they said, you're going to waste your time and money. You're not going to catch anything. Wow. How do you know? We're fishermen. We've been out here 30 years. These fish don't hang around. This is not America. This is a lake. They immediately see the sun, and they hit the bottom. You ain't going to catch nothing. Peter knew you can't catch nothing. Now, this miracle was not to impress Peter that the success of his fishing business was increasing. Ah, ah, ah. Ah. Now, you got to stay with me because I'm going back to the other story. This miracle was to impress him that the man standing in front of you has all power in heaven and earth to do whatever he wants. You saw your mother-in-law healed. You've heard about the miracles of what I'm doing. And now I've just proven to you that I can tell the fish what boat to get in.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, if you can believe that this is a miracle and he said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Get, but depart from me. You know, I'm, it's kind of like Isaiah. I'm a man of unclean lips. And you see, Isaiah never knew he was a man of unclean lips until he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, man, I ain't worthy to be even called a prophet. God, you got to clean me up. And Peter said, hey, I fished these lakes all my life, but there's something that just happened that lets me know. Something's going on that I ain't got no control over. Who in the world are you? So Jesus said he left all and followed him. And if you'll check it out, for three and a half years... They've ministered in Galilee, upper and lower, where these guys are from. But you never see them trying to go back to business. In fact, one time, you remember one time? They're in this area feeding 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And Peter never said, let's go catch fish. Never t- Hello? Jesus even told one of them, go buy bread. He said, for all these people? We don't have enough. Judas don't have enough money in the bag for us to go b- b- buy bread for all these people. And by the way, hey, we don't have time. How are we going to do this? He's te- the Bible said he did it to test them. Wow. But Peter did not jump up and say, hey, me and, James, me and James got, me and James, John over here, we got boats. So we go out there, we'll fish for a while. We'll, we'll bring some fish back. At least we'll help you. He didn't offer it. But now all of a sudden,
1: yeah. wow.
0: he says, I'm going back to business and god says that's what you think the reason king christusha the reason that john who was a partner of this man screams and says hey peter it's the lord is because jesus just did the same miracle that got him saved. It was that same miracle, and John knew that lake, Peter knew that lake, and they knew there was not going to be any fish caught from that moment on. And when those boats start filling up and they ca- you ready they count them, 153 fish. How would you like to catch that out here on a lake in Alabama? Did you hear what I said? 153. Wow! They're so stunned they can't they count them. Now, watch what happens. I, I can read this to you and, and you can get the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to go back to John. Let's go back to John. Flip over there because I want to show you some words here. Now, I like doing this right here. I, you, you might, you might want me to run and holler and preach and sweat tonight, but I got something different for you. Therefore, the disciple now—now this is verse seven. Now, when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked.
1: <laughs> My God!
0: Okay. <laughs> this guy has some neurological issues. He, he's naked. He's in a boat, naked, fishing. He's cutting people's ears off. He's screaming about who's the greatest in the kingdom. Boasting about how he's not going to deny the Lord, you know what this proves to me? God has always used messed up people.
1: You, you, no, really. I mean,
0: I mean, think about what this guy was like. He God just says, "Hey, I can use it. I can use a nut like this." He was a nut. He was. Forgive me when I see Peter in heaven at the gate, Lord. I won't go in. He, the Catholics said he has the keys to the gate. All right. Now, look at this. Mm. Come on. Now, let me ask something. Can we get real honest here?
1: Yes, sir.
0: I don't know. My daughter's in school, and, you know, they have showers. And the girl, but, you know, girls want to take a shower and dress in private. Help me, girls. Isn't that right? You don't want to go around naked in front of all those other girls. Right? Am I right? Girls like privacy. Now, guys, on the other hand, are just crazy. They get out of the shower, they're walking around with nothing on. What's up, Holmes? Good to see you, man. What's what's up, bro? What's up, bro? Nothing on. Nothing. And then when they have a towel wrapped around them, they start getting into fights, popping each other with their towel. So can I say something? Now, it's possible he had some kind of a cloth over, and it's possible he didn't have nothing on, because there was supposed to be a fisherman's coat, which is a special garment that he wears fishing, so he just decides. To, I mean, what, why? Because he's toiling, he's sweating. So he just, he's gonna take all his clothes off, you know. And the other guys don't think it's strange or weird. But watch, so, but when, watch, watch this. But when Jesus shows up, he jumps in the lake. I'm, don't get a picture of the naked part, but get an image. Get an image of a guy just turning and just jumping in the lake. He ain't got a stitch of clothes on. And he's hiding in the water from him. Can you see him though? He's on the other side of the boat holding on, you know. Don't tell him I'm here. Don't tell him I'm here. Don't tell him I'm here. <laughs> That's good. That is good. That's
1: good.
0: Okay, ready? I said to myself, self, why did Peter jump on the other side of the boat to try to hide? And the Spirit of God quickened to me, because when John said, this is Jesus, Jesus had read his mail before and told him, Satan's after you. You know, he, Jesus read his mail. Yeah, yeah. Jesus rebuked him one time and said, get behind me, Satan. Hello. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Peter knew, I got to hide because he knows what I'm up to. <laughs> wow. He knows. He, he already knows. Wow. He already knows, I'm, I'm going back into business. He already knows what I've told these guys. So he is totally, it ain't, it ain't because he's, I, don't, I, I believe, it's, I don't think it's just because he's naked fishermen fish that way sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just jumping on the other side of the boat saying, oh God, don't tell him I'm out here, please. Because if he, because he's already, re- if he knows I'm here, he'll know what I'm thinking. If he knows I'm here, he'll read my mail. If he knows I'm here, he knows what I've already set up and he's going to be real mad. But don't you miss my point. Jesus or God let those guys flop on their face and not be successful because that's not where they're supposed to be. Why don't you quit fussing at the Lord when you've asked Him to do His will and it don't go like you think it should go? Well, I thought God was going to open up that door to work there. I don't understand why that door didn't open. Because maybe that's not where you're supposed to be. A woman wrote me a letter, never forgot this, and this is not to rebuke the lady, but it was an interesting thing, and Pam will remember this. She wrote, and she said, I want you to pray. My husband and I went to a certain university, and I don't remember the university right now, but said, we want our boy there, we want him to get in there, and said, you pray for us. You know, we're givers, we're tithers, we support, we believe that God will answer our prayer. And she writes me a couple weeks later, and she's mad at God. And she says... Well, my boy, they didn't accept him. They accepted him at another school. And we're upset at God. We're angry at God. My husband and I are fussing and complaining to the Lord. And I wrote her back. I said, did it dawn on you Come on. that the woman he's supposed to marry was not at your school?
1: Come on. Wow.
0: Wow. That's good. <coughs> did it dawn on you that there is a woman that God has for him whom he will marry that is at another university and he had to shut? The door to open up another door and you understand it in the book of Revelation he says I am God that closes doors I am God that opens doors and I want to tell you something if he ever shuts the door on you quit trying to open a door that God shuts I'm going to go ahead and tell you something now for all you women dating out there when God takes a man out of your life quit trying to chase down a man that God took out of your life Come on, guys, when a girl that you're not supposed to marry, God takes her out of your life. Quit laying in the bed at night, moaning, groaning, getting your phone out, trying to text her. Come on, baby, let's hook her again. Because if God took her out of your life, she ain't supposed to be in your life. She's not the woman you're going to marry. I'm, a, I'm preaching better than some of you who are listening and responding right now. Well, I said, well. So sometimes what you plan doesn't work. But this is where you got to say, time to go fishing. Is that what you you say? Time to go fishing? Time to go get back in the boat? Wait a minute. Time to get back into what God set me free from?
1: mm -hmm.
0: Time to go back to those old partners? Old Pete! hello. They were partners in business. Hey, hey, let's just go back and be partners and hook up. We can make this happen. We can buy, them. we can have many boats. And you fish all night and you come in with nothing. Yeah. And sometimes you don't catch nothing because you're at the wrong place with the wrong people at the wrong time.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Say it, say it, say it. Good. Come on.
0: Bring it. My- a man came to me one time, listen to this. I had hired his wife to be our tech lady, and she has been with me. How long has Denise been with us? 15 years or longer? I, I bet it's longer. It may be 20. She's an angel. Uh, uh, God help me for saying this, but the previous worker was a devil. <laughs> You ne- no, no, you never knew what she's going to be like. She One minute, look, she got mad at people on staff and wouldn't talk to them three months. I don't put up with your drama. I walked in there one time and said, if you want to go to a drama class, Cleveland State has one. is on. on. not where you trained for a drama class. Two of, them, two of my workers one time was fussing with each other. And they were just fussing over. It. One of them sister called and then got mad at that. And ran, they're fussing. And I said, "Excuse me, I've got some boxing gloves over here. I'll be right back in a minute." They said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm getting you a pair and you a pair. You're gonna come out in the hallway. You're gonna duke it out, and the one left standing stays hired, and the one that falls is fired." Okay, let's go. We're gonna go we'll get them. No, no, you're not gonna do that. I said, "Watch me. I don't have time for drama." Well, I'm gonna say it again. Some of y'all look at me like you wouldn't really do that. Oh yes, I would. Yeah, you would. I'd be the referee too. Round three. Come on, let's do it again. I huh, mean, no, I'm not. I'm, I don't. Are you? Are you? Are y'all with me? Did I lose you on that one right there? Huh? Come on. So, so, this her husband comes and says, "I have an opportunity to move to North Carolina." Twice as much money, and we're thinking about moving. Mm -hmm, Okay. And we got to praying, and he decided to stay. And within three months, that company went belly up. Not the one he stayed at, the one he was going to. You know why God wanted him to stay? He's been my pilot for 20 years. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. He handles my plane. He handles all the maintenance. He handles on everything. And, and he, everywhere I fly, Kevin is with me flying. And if he'd have went to North Carolina, not only would, he, would I have missed the opportunity of having the person I'm supposed to have, who's a great pilot, but he'd have missed God's will and put her and the family and everybody in a total complete. See, can I tell you this? What always glistens is not always gold. And I have learned this. What's, what looks good is not always God.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: now you ready for this this now this word this is going to get real interesting here if y'all stay with me okay anybody glad you came where's the glad where's the glad i came crowd raise your hand where's the glad i showed up man who's the fisherman is called Simon 69 times in the New Testament. Peter 153 times. Simon Peter 18 times. But the name Jesus gave him here three times only here. Ready to go? They get the fish fried and they sit down. And Jesus said, Simon Son of Jonas. Love me more than these. And he said again, Simon, son of Jonas. Simon, son of let me just tell you, Jonas is a Greek form of Jonah. Mm. Well, it is only here in the Bible. Now, there are certain laws of names in the scripture, and one of those is when God calls your name twice: Abraham, Abraham, Sarah, Sarah. Isaac, Isaac, when God calls a person's name twice and it's found about seven times in the Bible, it means transition and pay attention. Because after what he says to them twice, there's a transition every time. Saul, Saul, I persecutest thou me. Transition. You're a heathen, you're about to become a Christian. You got it? Transition and change. It's always, it's always that way. Here's another law. When God changes your name, Simon, I've always heard people criticize Simon and say it means a reed shaken by the wind. Really, it does not. It is from the Hebrew Simeon, Simeon, which means hearing. So his original name, Simon, meant one who hears. Ready? But Jesus said, we're going to change your name from Simon, one who hears, to Peter, Greek word Petros, uh, Petros, which is a small stone, meaning I'm moving you into an area where you have to be a rock. You have to be solid. You're going to have to be. You're going to, have, you're going to be a foundational man. How many of you know you build a foundation with rocks, stones, gravel, cement? Right. <laughs> then he says to him, he, he calls him Peter, and he gets to the trial. He says. You remember the trial? Satan has desired you. Yes. What did he call him? Did he call him Peter? No. He changed his name back. Simon. Simon. Yep. Wow. Called his name twice. Yes. Yes. Which meant, listen, here, listen. Satan has desired you that he may sift you a wheat. He changed his name up to get his attention to pay attention. But here he says, Simon. I'm going to say it the way he actually said it. Simon, son of Jonas, Jonah. Jonah. Why did he call him son of Jonah? Because that was his father's name. Son of, his father's name was Jonah. But he dresses him that way to say to him, Simon, son of Jonah. Jonah didn't pay attention to God and got in a boat. <laughs> and, and cryptically, he's saying to him, I know what you're up to. you are about to get in the same trouble Jonah did. Wow. Because he had a call to preach. Yes, he did. God, I feel the Holy Ghost talking about it. Come, come on. He had a call from God to save a city, one of the biggest cities of the day, and he said, I think I'll get in a ship and hide. Yeah. Wow. So he says, Simon, not Simon, not Simon, Peter, not Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. And that fisherman knew exactly what Jesus was doing. He was cryptically rebuking him. As if to say, do you want to end up in the bottom of the sea with a big fish swallowing you? Because I'll sure enough put you in the middle of that lake right there and put you under that water for good. If you don't understand that my call on you is not some little preacher on Jerusalem that's going to sit in the office and study books all day. My call is you've got to take the entire Jewish branch of the church and run with it. You don't do it. Who will? Come on. (laughs) I will tell you that it is one thing to be rebuked by your earthly father. But it's another thing when God does it. I have been in my earlier days especially chastised of the Lord because of an attitude I had Misunderstandings that I created on my own, and I would rather have my daddy whip me with a belt than my heavenly father chastise me. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, I can tell some of you ain't never been whipped either way by looking at you. Some of you never had a belt, and if you ever never had God, Are <laughs> you still tracking? Now, let's look at two things that now happen. Would you notice that he says, "Do you love me more?" Than these. This is the part that is passed over by 90% of the preachers. Because have you ever asked yourself, what are the these? He didn't say, Do you love me more than this? These. These is a plural word. This is specific toward one thing. Yeah. Am I right? Where's my yeah. English teachers? Yeah. Yeah. But if I say all these things, it's more than one thing. Yeah. And he never, yeah. Jesus never tells you what the these are. Wow. But after he calls him the son of Jonah, he, he, Peter knows what he's talking about. Mm. Ready? Do you love me more than your business? Yes, Lord, I love you. Do you love me more than... That's right. The partners that have partnered with you to help you make money. Yes, Lord, I love you more than them. Do you love me more than all these other disciples that you've been preaching with? Yes, I do. Then he says this. Oh, my goodness. Do you feel this? Do you feel this? Yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. All right, all right.
0: So then... Says, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Which brings me to a whole nother element that has not been taught because most ministers don't know the word used by Mark. Wow. You ready to go? Yes, sir. I got, I got, the, I got them with me. I got to find out if anybody else is still in this house besides just pastor and his
1: wife.
0: Do you remember when... when When Peter goes to the trial, and John, by the way, it is believed, early church fathers even teach, that John was a high priest. The young John, that he was from a priestly family. That's how he got in with the permission of the priest to the trial. And he did get into the trial. And he invites Peter secretly in. Remember, he's at the fire, he denies the Lord once. He's at the fire, he denies the Lord twice. So to impress people, it said he cursed and said, I know not the man. Now, in the West, cussing and cursing, the word is used interchangeably to mean profanity. So I thought Peter used profanity. I always thought this. He's, he used some kind of bad profanity, but I don't know what it would have been. But you know what I found out? Are you all ready to get blown away? Come on. Come on. Come on Mark's gospel, when it said he, he swore and cursed, that word in Greek is he anathemaed. Anathema. You say, I don't know what that means. Paul used that word. It's an Aramaic word, not a Greek word, a Hebrew word. It's an Aramaic word. And it means to place a self-curse on something. Now, I'm going to have to explain this to you to help you understand it. When Peter said it cursed, he basically said this. This is what the anathema meant in the Jewish synagogue. And he was Jewish. He basically said, if I know this man, let me be Anathema. Wow. You know what it meant? Ready? It meant, if I know him, may I be cursed from the house of Israel and my name forever erased from the synagogue. He's trying to impress those people because he thinks he's about to be crucified for whacking that guy's ear off. But what he don't understand, when Jesus healed the man, he destroyed the evidence against Peter. And he wasn't going to die that night. I mean, how does a guy go about, his disciple cut my ear off. You all saw it, didn't you? He cut it. He, he, oh, he, well, whatever. The ear's back on his head. All the evidence is gone. Hey. Now. When you, when you put yourself under anathema, this is one of the reasons why. There's two reasons. He went out and wept bitterly. Reason number one, you remember the rooster crowed? And he realized, oh, the words of Jesus have been fulfilled because he said, the rooster won't crow three times. You'll deny me. And then Jesus, Jesus predicted that's what I'm trying to say. All right. So he realized what he did, but what he really realized was this. I've just put myself under a self-curse. Okay? Now, remember, remember, he did this. Jesus is raised from the dead. They've seen him three times. Actually, actually, Peter only saw him twice. This was the second time. Now, watch. And Peter knows he's under a self-curse. So why not go back to business? Went right over your head. Because he has cursed himself from the house of Israel. That's what Anathema was. Look it up. He cursed himself from the synagogue. And he's thinking to himself, man, I've already put myself under something. I, I can't get out from under. Yeah, there you go, honey. I messed up. I put myself under some Anyway, getting this back. But what he may not have realized that you need to know is... When the Matthew 18 says, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven, loose on earth is loosed in heaven, that is a rabbinical phrase. What you permit is permitted. What you disallow is disallowed. And it dealt that text deals with the members of the congregation who have erred. You have the authority through repentance to reinstate them or you have the authority if they rebel to keep them out. That's binding and loosing. Watch. But the only person who can take an amethema off of a member of the synagogue is the head rabbi. God help me Jesus. So the head rabbi of Peter is the teacher named Jesus who is called Rabbi over and over again. Raboni, Raboni, Rabbi, Raboni, that's a high-level rabbi. So in order to get the curse off of this man, to make him realize you ain't got to go back to business you're going to have to go back to my business we're going to deal with the curse right now love me more than these yeah strike one for the plus love me more than these strike two love me you denied me three times now you've confessed me three times you are now loosed from the self curse don't anybody bring it up again don't anybody talk about it again don't anybody talk bad about Peter ah I wish somebody in this house would help me. Praise God. Y'all didn't know that much was in this verse right here, did you? He cleared him. So see, here's my point. You jump in the lake because you're naked and you've got shame. You're, you're, You're ashamed. What Jesus did, not only forgave him, not only publicly released him to those other disciples, ay, 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 ay. and there were seven men there, which is the number of completion. Hey. Jesus was number eight, meaning new beginnings. Oh. Ay, ay, ay. You know I had to get into a number somewhere. And so Jesus basically is saying, you denied me three times, I've covered you, Now that's done. Now, get out of that ship. And then he says this. Feed my lamb, lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Now, the lambs are the babies. The sheep are the older. You still, you still with me? Yes, sir. But guess what happens here? They used to, it's two different Greek words are used
1: oh,
0: wow. for feed. Now, we use feed, 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 and eat. Three words there. This is why I love word studies. Okay, by the way, this is the Perry Stone New Testament if you don't have it. I've always, well, it's not my Bible, but I, I wrote the commentary. I've always wanted to do that. I was having so much fun with this. Now, if you have the New Testament, page 197. <laughs> I just feel so good to do that after working on something 10 years. <laughs> just bear with me and my folly. <laughs> feed is three times in the story. Verse 15, verse 17, verse 16. Two different Greek words. Verse 15, where he said, feed my lambs. Is the Greek word, and I gotta put my glasses down, I'm sorry, bosho, bosho, which means to graze or feed a flock of sheep. In, I'm sorry, that's in verse 15 and 17. Verse 15 and 17. Verse 16, where he changes, changes it from lambs to sheep, is the Greek word poimeno, which means to govern, guide, and protect. So he's saying, here's your job now. First of all, is to feed everything I've taught you and everything you're going to learn to the sheep. Your second job is to ensure that you protect them from wolves, false teachers. And Peter talks about this. Go to to his epistle. That's what he deals with. He even says, Satan, like a roaring lion, walk about seeing who he may devour. He knows that story. Come on. He'd been through that. Luke 22, he'd been through that. So Jesus is saying to him, in the beginning, three and a half years ago, I won you because of a fishing trip. And you left it all behind. You go and said that you didn't know me and you put yourself under a self-curse, but I've taken care of that right now. So don't you look back. Did he look back? Let me tell you how he died according to Fox's Book of Martyrs. He and Paul were both slain in Rome. One was beheaded, Paul, and Simon Peter was crucified upside down. Not bad for a guy that jumped in a lake and got back in a boat and brought it back to shore and left it all and followed him. And the voice of Pentecost was this man. And Peter and John went into the temple. First miracle after Jesus. Peter. Yes. Yes. Cornelius, the Gentile, gets the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Who directed it? Peter.
1: Yep. Hey. Yeah. 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 Come on.
0: I'm trying to say something to some of you here. You have to start having confidence in your walk with God that when you've sought Him and things are not moving the way that you would like for them to move, Here's your word God's no is not always a final. God's no is often a timing. Mar- Moses said, Miriam, Miriam had criticized Moses, Ethiopian wife, and she got leprosy. And Moses cried out, heal her now, O oh Lord. And God said, no. If her father would have spit in her face, she'd had to stay out of the camp seven days, make her go seven days. And she had leprosy for seven days. But then God came back and said, now she can be healed. Wow. Sometimes God is telling you no to protect you.
1: Thank you, God. Come yes. on.
0: All right, I got to tell my story. Is anybody hearing this? If you're receiving this tonight, put your hand. This, no, this is really for some folks here. There's some people here. that how many, how, many of you, how many of you are hearing something you need to hear right now about God sometimes will mess up your plans, but don't worry about it. Everything's cool. You've got to just have to find the direction. Pam and I, can I, can I just talk to you about Pam and I? I Let me see, make sure I got everything here. Yeah, this says last thing, tell story. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Baby, hold that so I don't forget it because pastor will get all those notes and preach them so. I had to say that. That's a joke, by the way. I love it. That's an an honor. What you said there was honorable for me. I'm serious. That's, That's the greatest honor is that you have a word that other people know is a word. That's the greatest honor. Okay, here we go. Well, <clears throat> when I met Pam, I met her. I'm gonna tell my Pam story, and we're gonna be done, and we're gonna pray. I met Pam in Northport, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all just crazy. Look, we got some Auburn fans on the second row that are partners. Y'all be careful talking about that. I don't want I don't want war breaking out. I love, I, love, I love it down here this time of year, I promise. But, but she was from, uh, from the Northport area, and I didn't know who she was. I was preaching a revival, and I was engaged to get married. Y'all want to hear the full story, or, or you want to hear the short version? Because this really gets funny. I was dating a girl from Virginia that I really thought I was going to marry, and her name was Vicki, played the piano. She had a master's degree in teaching when she was 24 years of age. Real smart. Uh, you know, I'm talking about just t- because she could play the piano, every preacher thought she had to marry somebody to play a piano. I mean, no probably, I wasn't even going to sing. Why would I need a piano player? I mean, it didn't even make sense. So I go to, anyway, I've been questioning about marrying her because she sat me down in J- January and she said, here's how it's going to be. We're going to have a June wedding and, here's gonna, and we're going to buy a bus because I'm not staying in people's houses. I couldn't even afford a car. How am I going to buy a bus for this, for this woman? She got me so mad that day. I felt like calling her a heifer. You understand what I'm saying? Just say, "Yo, heifer. yo, heifer. I'm not buying you nothing. Now, I'm sorry. I'm just saying. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, it came across my head. I did not say that to her. But anyway, after this meeting, I kept saying, and, and people would say to me, Perry, can we talk to you? Yeah, this girl's not for you. Marcus Lamb. I've never forgot this. Marcus, who, him and I have been friends since we were teenagers. He calls me at her house. I'm having dinner i'm getting ready to have dinner she's cooking dinner at her house in virginia and marcus said perry where are you? uh marcus said perry uh where are you at right now your mama gave me this number i said well i'm at so-and-so's house he said well, can she hear what i'm about to say and i said well no not really she's in the kitchen <laughs> he said don't marry her <laughs> and i said why he said i'm telling you god spoke to me this morning and said you're marrying the wrong woman do not marry her parents. She said, he said, you know me. I don't play with this. If the Lord... And Marcus used to get words of knowledge from people and read their mail. It was scary. And so I knew, man, I better pay attention. Anyway, make a long story short. I go to Northport. Was it the first weekend, I think? This girl, who I mean, the second weekend, comes down with a friend of hers because she's afraid that I got my eyes on somebody in Alabama. You know, I didn't have my no eyes on nobody really in Alabama. I'm just like preaching. So she comes down, and the whole youth group at Northport, how many were there? 60 of them? We'd go out to eat every night. I mean, don't, you know, the restaurants just love you when 10 o'clock you're showing up yeah, and they're closing yeah, at 10. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my God, no, they're back. They're back! That's cr- we, we did crazy stuff. That's right. And so, so um, the kids, all the kids, all of them said, Perry, there's something about her that ain't right. So I'm listening by now. So you know what? You know what was weird. We're at the pizza. Hut. She goes home and calls me at the Pizza Hut. Calls Walter Maul the pastor. Where's Perry? Said, Well, he's at the Pizza Hut with a bunch of kids. Calls the pizza, hut. and the pizza said, "Got a Perry Stone here." And I'm thinking, Who's calling me at the Pizza Hut? <laughs> so it's her. I just don't know why. But we just have to break up because this is not working out. And you know, when you dated somebody over two years. And, and you, you think breaking up is easy? It's really not. No matter who it is, unless you just hate them, that's <laughs> real easy. If you hate them, how I many of us said you're not supposed to hate nobody? I understand that, but but I'm, I'm I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I go back and they, what's wrong? I said that girl I'm supposed to marry. We just broke up, and the kids did they not jumped on the chairs, start screaming, woo, oh,
1: woo, oh, oh, woo, oh. woo, woo.
0: They're all they're all they're all jumping and shouting. I said, what are y'all doing? They said, oh, we've talked about it privately among ourselves. You ain't going to marry her. Wow. Wow. Now, look, when everybody starts telling you you're marrying the wrong person, you better wake up. Yeah. Right? Because, yeah. you know, in the mouth of two or three, and I'm, I'm getting, I ain't getting two or three witnesses. I'm getting like 300 witnesses, you know. It's like, okay, okay, this, I guess this is over. So, and I'm getting to a story in a minute. <laughs> you, wanted to, you wanted this version... So, third week the revival was supposed to close, and the Lord told me to carry it on. And Pastor in Silacaga Church of God was Brother Candy was so mad at me because I'm supposed to leave Saturday, and be at Silacaga Sunday morning. Yeah. And at 9:30, in the middle of a prayer line, God said, "I didn't tell you to leave." And watch this. Watch how important it is to listen. Yeah. And I went back and said, Pastor, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm supposed to stay here, and I know it's the will of God. And I, and oh, he said, "You got to come. The people are expecting. We've announced." I said, Pastor, I can't. And I, and, and I, I canceled. That pastor to stay at Northport a couple more weeks, so I stayed there and it was the first part of the third week, and I'm minding my business, worshiping. Oh Jesus, Jesus Lord, I thank you. And oh Jesus, Jesus, all the young people over there. And what did we have about thirty young people saved filled with the Holy Ghost already, maybe more than that. I mean, we got there was there was guys that got saved in that meeting. Pastor and church is now running a thousand. Come up, yeah. You know, you know the guy. You know the guy that's pastoring in Connecticut. What does he run? He runs fifteen hundred now, near Yale University. You know how he got saved? I was at Taco Casa, and his name was Kenny, and I never met him. I said, "I'm in a revival. I want you to come hear me preach tomorrow night." He said, "Oh, I'm working tomorrow night." I said, "If you lie, you fry. You're going to hell. You just lied to me." And I walk, I walk off with my food. He got convicted, came and got saved, got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, became a preacher. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Happened. At me. Okay, let's go back. So I'm up here. Those are the youth group. I'm minding my business. And look, look, I didn't date. You all know me. You remember, I, d- I went out with youth groups. I didn't date. M.H. Kennedy warned me years ago, don't date these girls in revivals. She said there's some. He said, there's some crazy women out there. You understand? <laughs> and then Brother Lahan tells me, don't you be dating these girls in revival. My dad says, don't you be dating these girls in revival. So I was very much go out with the youth group, but that was it because I had learned, you know, what they had told me. So I am minding my business, and people are worshiping. And I look this way, and I see this lady. I can tell you what she had on. Black skirt down to the Holy Ghost knees. Oh, sanctified. (laughs) Uh, A jacket, black jacket, sleeve down to here. She had a frilly blouse on, had frills around here, like a real southern belt. Real high frills around the neck right here. Excuse me. Button down right here. Frills all down through here dark shoes and she's over there going (laughs) and this is the God's truth when I looked that way I just glanced and I saw her on the end and I heard the Lord say now that's the girl you're going to marry and I said I bind you Satan in the name of Jesus you lying devil I did I started by God in the name of Jesus I clear my mind of every distraction the devil's trying to stop me from preaching this word tonight I ain't looking that way in Jesus name so then they went to pray, and I, and I kept getting this really weird, heavy impression, I can't even describe it to you, it, that was in my mind, I didn't even know who she was. I mean, I had not even gone out with her nothing. And I looked that way, and God says, I said, that's the girl you're going to marry, and it dropped from my head to my spirit instantly. And I said, oh, my goodness, oh, wow. Well, that's why I broke up with that other girl, because I can't marry two women. I can't have two. I'm not Mormon. I'm not Muslim. Can't have five. I'm going to have one. I didn't really think that. I thought that was funny just preaching it right here. So I look over there, and I, and I did this. And they're praying. And I thought, well, if I'm a Mary, I need to see what she looks like. So I did the Bible thing. One eye open, one eye close, watch and pray. <laughs> see, I, I put the clothes down on this side so everybody think I'm spiritual. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm walking that way. Walking that way, one eye open. Everybody keep your eyes closed. Everybody keep your eyes closed. And I mean, I mean, she was, no, look, she's, she's really fine now. I'm not just saying, she, I say this in private. She's fine, but she was like super fine. I'm talking, you know, way bumped up, 10 plus. I'm not joking. And I said, man, she's like really cute, like super. Cause I, I could never marry a model. I couldn't marry a uh, skinny weenie. You know what I'm saying? I mean there's just things you like and you don't like. Look, I want some chunk, you know what I'm saying? I want I want I want a, I want some arms. God, yes, sir, right there, baby. Yes, sir. I don't want no don't give me no skinny woman. Skinny. What you talking about? Skinny can't keep you warm in the winter. How many of you men know what I'm talking? Skinny can't keep you warm in the winter. Now, if you're real skinny, God bless you. But I'm just saying this I'm talking about me. I'm talking about me, okay? I'm getting too blunt. She's going, to get, she's going to get me after church. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, so what happened, this is really funny. So what happened, now I'm going to tell the one part, and I'll leave the name out. There was a young guy there that liked her. So God's already told me I'm going to marry her. And the guy says, can I talk to you? I said, well, sure. He said, can we go... We're out eating. He said, well, can you talk to me at the church? I said, if we get in the car, he said, now, there's a girl in this church that I really, really like, but I think I'm losing her. I said, what do you mean? Well, she doesn't show me a lot of attention. And I said, who is it? He said, it's Pam Taylor. I said to myself, oh, God, that's a girl I'm supposed to marry. This really happened. This really happened. I'm telling the secret stuff, the secret stuff. So he says, now, if you were me, how would you get her back? So I'm thinking to myself. Well, I'm going to give you a three-step process how to get her back. <laughs> so I said, got to do this. I'm gonna, did you ever hear me tell this once, maybe? I got to, you got to do, I give him a three-step process. He said, I'm going to try. And he gets out of the car, and I said, I bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he tried it, but it didn't work. Now, here's my point. We didn't date. There's two things I did that was a mistake in my life. Number one. I didn't really get to, well, let me say this. If I'd have known what a good you know, person she'd be, a, a helper, I'd have, married her, I'd have married her probably within a few weeks, honestly, because she's been that kind of a helper. But the thing that, um, stay with me because I could go down two or three rabbit trails. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> but but what, happened, what happened, which was really interesting, is we never dated but one time in two years, and that was a trip to the steakhouse in Birmingham because I was preaching all the time. So I just didn't get to date. All right. So I was in Virginia in a five week revival. And she knows that I already talked to her. I said, Look, I, th- I believe we're going to get married. I already asked her, I said, Will you marry me? And she said, Yes. I said, All right, we'll plan that. I said, Now we're going to move to Virginia. We've got a ministry I'm going to open up called Logos Outreach Center. There's a building near a church that where I preached that I'm going to try to buy. And I had preached in this area as a kid preacher. To the biggest crowds in the history of the state of Virginia, in the Church of God, thousands, they came out by the thousands. We'd have we'd have services where 500 people would be laying out in the Holy Ghost. The high school, the high school showed up, the high school, and God decked 450 high school kids, Baptist, Methodist, and atheist, and laid them on the floor, and they couldn't get up till they repented. I'm not kidding. I saw I saw stuff I've never seen to this day happen at that meeting. So I had preached to probably. 25,000 people there. I was known, very respected as a kid, as 21, 22. Year, people, adults, 80-year-old adults would stop me to ask me Bible questions in town. So it was an area I liked. I was from Virginia. Mm-hmm. Say to her, I said, we're going to move to Virginia. Hell broke loose against me in Virginia. She'll tell you it's the worst time of my life, wasn't it, probably, that we've ever been through. And I said to her, I said, I need a wife bad. I need somebody to help me because I can't take this stuff by myself. So here's what happened. The door was shut for me to go to Virginia. Now, she heard me say for years, the enemy stopped me from coming to Virginia. And then it dawned on me, it was never the enemy. If trouble had not come, I would have moved there and totally missed God. You know where I was supposed to be? Cleveland, Tennessee. We have 100 acres, we have a 72,000 square foot building that has 14,000 young people show up a year, a prophetic summit with 4,000 people, camp meeting with 3,000 people, a Tuesday night service, we're seven hours from every major city that I preach in practically, Hmm. And William Branham in the 1950s had an angel come to him, and I did not know this till years after I moved there when the pastor who knew Branham told me this, the church Branham preached in, that an angel came to Branham and said, before the rapture takes place, Cleveland, Tennessee is going to be the hub of the worldwide revival. Uh, that's where I was supposed to go. That's where I was supposed to move. So don't miss the last point. If trouble had not come, And the whole time, she heard me. The enemy, the enemy's attacking. The enemy's after me. The enemy's trying to stop me. Now, the enemy will use the attack. Don't get me wrong. Okay? But the idea was this. God said, son, you're in the wrong place. And the only way for me to show you that you're in the wrong place is let everything around you fall apart. And so she agreed to move to Cleveland. And we love the town. We've been there for 30, what, is it 38 years now almost? We have a great reputation in the town. We're friends with the mayor, the sheriff. I mean, I mean, anything I need, I can pick up the phone, the banks. I could borrow millions of dollars by just walking to the bank and signing my name because they say, we know Perry Stone's ministry. Are you listening?
1: Yes,
0: sir. So sometimes, who am I talking to? Let me tell you something. Where's the pastors that are here? Raise your hand. All the pastors that are here, uh, if you'll just keep your hand raised. I will tell you what happened before I came out here. Before I came out here, I was walking down that hallway before I came into the the sanctuary. And I heard the Spirit of God say to me, this particular word, there's one pastor who needs this because he's on the verge of of changing and quitting if he doesn't hear from God tonight. Now, I would not expect a minister that raised his hand to say, it's me, it's me, it's me, because... There's things that's private. But you've thought about going into work. You've thought about going and starting a business. You've thought about just turning it over to somebody else. I don't know who I'm talking to. But the Lord sent me by here to tell you, don't get in a ship.
1: Hey, my God, say it. Wow.
0: Because things have moved slow. Because there's been some opposition. Misunderstanding, you've had some people leave. I'm just giving you the word of knowledge right now. I don't know anything about anybody. And and it's just really got you so down and discouraged that you've come in here and said, "Well, Lord, I'm going to tell you. I'm I'm just going to read your mail right here." When this conference came and you knew you'd be in this service because you know you you make plans, you said, "I need God to give me a word." I walked out I walked out that hall and he said it's for somebody here to know don't go getting in a boat Don't don't try to do something different when you know in your heart you're supposed to be in the work of God God never told you this thing would be easy but sometimes you quit spending time with him and you try to spend time figuring it out and there's there and there's times I've just got to, just go in my closet or, or my little room. I got a little room where I can just lay down on a, on a whatever they call it. I just lay down there, and sometimes I'll just, especially during conferences, I'll start praying, and within an hour I start hearing. About an hour I start hearing. Now, if you are here and you want me to pray for you right now, we'll pray for you right now, Pastor. If you want to, if you want to do that, because I, listen, there ain't no doubt in my mind you're here. But if you prefer not to do that, I totally understand that. And you need just but you need to take this word right now. Not just the message. The message is for you. Take this, whoa, hallelujah. Take this word from the Spirit of God. Say, Lord, I received that. You spoke to me. That was my word. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep planting seed. Some will plant seed and some will water, but God gives the increase. Get the people that believe in what you're doing, even if it's a handful, and just start working with the people that believe in what you do. Set a vision and just go after it. Don't quit. Hallelujah. Let's let's raise our hands. Somebody needs needs this right now. Let's raise our hands. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I feel your presence right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I look to you right now but because there are people who need to be encouraged in the Lord. Yeah. All right. Now, this is the altar call right now. How many are saved? Raise your hand. Hold up real high. Friday night. Saved. Okay. All right. How many of you? How, how, now, this is going to be different because you're looking right at me and I'm looking right at you. How many of are here that have drifted away from God and you know it? You've, you've drifted away. You know it. Right there. There. You've been drifting. You've been drifting. You've been drifting. You've been drifting. I want every one of you that feel like you've been drifting. Let's put this up on the platform there, brother, pastor, if you'll help me. I want every one of you that feel like you've been drifting. I'm going to come up on this platform kind of where I can see everybody. I want you on the count of three to get to this altar and stand right in front of me, right here, where we can pray because you do not need to leave here after hearing this message ready one two three come on right now line up right here right here come on that's right that's right this after hearing this after hearing this word don't need to be drifting don't don't you don't need to be doing that now you heard you heard the word hallelujah praise god praise god praise god praise god I hear the Holy Spirit say uh, an alignment, an alignment. You need to be like a back, a person's back gets out of place and they go to a chiropractor and he kind of moves that thing and he puts it back in line into a straight position. God wants the Holy Spirit to realign you and to touch your heart. And so I'm going to ask you right now, I'm going to pray a prayer the way I feel led to pray it, and I'm going to ask you to lift your hands and pray it with me, and then we're going to pray over you while you pray on your own. Is that okay? Is that all right? Everybody Everybody, stand with me right now, because the anointing is going to get real heavy here. Oh! Thank you, Lord. Everybody lift your hands and say this out loud. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, you've spoken to my heart. I have received Your Word. I believe the Word of God. It is Your will for me to follow You, to follow You totally, to not turn around, not look to the left, not look to the right, not let people distract me, but to follow You. So Jesus, right now, I open my heart, And I'm asking you to forgive me for the times that I've turned back, that I didn't really listen, that I heard your voice, but I didn't follow it. Lord, right now, take out of me any rebellion, any disobedience, anything in me (laughs) that you don't want there. Release me tonight. In the name of the Lord, and God by faith, I want to follow you and do what is right in Jesus' name. Now keep your hands raised and just keep praying. Keep your hand raised and keep praying. Praise God. Anybody that's an altar worker in the church, anyone that's on a prayer team, get up here and start laying hands on them. Men and women. Men and women. Come on. Put your hands on their shoulder. Keep praying. Keep praying right where you are. All of you in the altars, talk to the Lord right now. Go a little deeper with it. Go a little deeper. Lord, right now, I thank you for the men and the women that are here. I thank you, God, for every one of them that the Spirit of God is touching them right now. That in the name of the Lord, the power of the enemy is going to be broken over them. The influence on their mind that has brought confusion into their mind is going to be broken over them in the name of Jesus. I look to you right now, God, and I ask you that the power of the Holy Spirit will break through into their life, will break through into them, on the depths of their heart and into the depths of their spirit. That in the name of the Lord Jesus, that they will feel God's presence again, that they will feel the peace of God that passes all understanding again, that they will feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit again. In the name of the Lord Jesus, the Son of the living God. Now let the Holy Spirit come into them and let the Holy Spirit baptize every one of them. Let the Holy Ghost refill them right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your voice. The Spirit of God is touching everybody in the altar right now. Woo. In the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus. God, in their heart, in their spirit, release them in their heart. Release them in their spirit in Jesus' name. Release them. Come on, keep praying. If you're in the altar, keep on praying. Keep on believing. Everybody in the congregation, turn and face somebody that you know, someone that came with you, someone that you've sat beside that you know and put your hand on their shoulder and start praying for them right now that God will keep them in His will and that they're not in His will that God will show them what it is and give them the strength to walk in it. God, encourage the people right now. Heavenly Father, encourage them by the Spirit. Encourage them by the anointing. Encourage that pastor, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. God, you taught me years ago that if I would pray and fast, that it would break the spirits in churches. That if I would pray and fast and believe and preach the power of the Word, that it would break the demonic activity that was taking place in the lives of church folks. In the name of Jesus, we command the power of the enemy to lose his hands and loose his grip upon every person that's in this building right now. Holy Spirit of God, in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, let your spirit come, let your power... In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord… In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Lord. God move, God move, God move, Lord Jesus move! Break it now, in the name of Jesus. Break it now in the Name of Jesus! Break it now, break it now, break it now, break it now… Come on, pray for each other in the congregation just a little bit longer! You're really going to get through… If you'll really pray in agreement, you're going to get, up in the balcony too… Hallelujah? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Go ahead and sing whatever you want to sing, brother. Come on! Don't quit! Don't quit! Hallelujah! 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 Believe it! 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 Believe it. In the name of Jesus, breakthrough coming for you.
1: Believe it.
0: Close your eyes. Lift your hands. Get in the Holy Ghost for a little bit. Yes. Yes, yes.